I tried to start my drink earlier that time. Like I started, like I, I heard Michael go into the intro for the show oh and I was like, I'll get you my drink. You literally started and drinking I, your beer as he was counting us in. Like, do you know what the point of a count-in is? <laughs> Unless you're sure you can drink that beer in less than three seconds, which well, I believe you probably can. Well, here's the thing, Don't Charlie. I, th- I thought that I could as well because I thought I had those three seconds countdown plus like a beat, right? So really right, I have three okay. seconds of drinking plus a beat yeah. to put the drink back down. But stupidly enough, before this fucking podcast, because I'm about to get on a plane, I thought, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll prepare myself some Coronas. I'll cut some lemon. I'll put it like in the top. Of, that'll be really nice. And then when I try to go and fucking scull my beer, it, the lemon was preventing the fucking beer from getting into my mouth. So my, the way that I was going to treat myself is the thing that has actually stumbled me up here on the on the front. This is uh, Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. In Australia, it is Tuesday, uh, July the 5th in America, where I am. I'm about to get on a plane. It is July the 4th, which is American Independence Day. And also, yeah. as I was cruelly reminded when I was checking the date for this podcast today, uh, my dad's birthday. So that means it was my dad's birthday in Australia yesterday. So... Anyway, that's his payback happy, for that's his payback. Birthday, Dad. <laughs> that's his payback, Charlie, for not convincing me to barrack for Geelong like he does. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. So this is the uh, now I don't know my American history, but I, I believe this is the day that President Bill Pullman fought back the aliens. Is that is that right? That's what people are recreating today. A lot of people going around dressed like Will Smith, just recreating <laughs> moments from the movie. There was this guy down at the juice shop this morning, like acting all fucking Jeff Goldblum-y. And then I was like, oh my God, that's Jeff Goldblum. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, ju- I, ju- I just think it's a big day for Jeff, you know? It, like, I, I bet Jeff Goldblum really does get out about in and about more on Independence Day. Just the kind of, like, oh. people... Right, hundred percent, hundred percent. Do you have you seen the uh, the new one, Independence Day Resurgence? No, no, I, hear, I haven't seen I, it. I haven't seen it either. But I I, I, I like that the, the the simple um, it seems to be the simple premise of this one is the aliens are back, and the big ships are even bigger. <laughs> that seems to be what they're selling it on. I mean, at least it makes sense for the plot in that movie because that's what every sequel basically is, right? But at least yeah. in this one, they've gone, the aliens went away for 20 years and they fucking made some plans. Like, the aliens went away. They've gone back footy-style, Charlie. This is how I like to imagine it. They've gone yeah. away and, like, they're this fucking team that at home are just fucking crushing any opponent. Like, any time mm, they... So- sounds, sounds familiar. Right. Any time... They have a fucking home war. If someone tries to invade them, like this fucking army, yeah. like they yeah, are they, unbeatable, Charlie. Because their home planet is actually under a roof, so it's right. always perfect conditions. <laughs> so <laughs> under their home planet, you know, they never have to deal with any other kind of like weather conditions or anything. They know how to play that ground really well. It's a really quick brand of like uh, of, of war they play. But yeah, right. get them on the road and a lot of questions. Well, here's the thing, Charlie. They got they got cocky and they're like, well, we're going to play an away game and they can't travel. I mean, yeah. 
like the, the the head of their army said at the time they've got to be a wherever whenever army you know and i just i just feel like they're just not bringing that to the table so they've gone away they've put in place a 20-year plan memberships are through the fucking roof by the way at yeah. the moment like never had more money uh you know like things are working well behind the scenes like off the field like the army's in really good shape you know this is a really fucking good time for them and they've also got these fucking bigger guns and they're like well this time we're going back and we are going to fucking take this shit like where th- earth is their america's cup now you know yeah. we're their holy grail you know the whole fucking time it's just been gnawing at these fucking aliens of like we are gonna go back and we are gonna fuck those cocky fucking humans up they fluked one but you know what next time it's fucking personal earth is their bogey team right yeah they can't for whatever reason it is they just can't they can they can come in with all the firepower but they just can't beat us for some reason right on paper they match up beautifully yeah, but there's just something and not, about the. And I'm way- not taking this excuse about travel. Sure, you have to travel right. 400 light years across the galaxy and stuff. But you know, there's a bunch of other invading forces that have to do the same thing week in and week out. I don't know why these aliens get a pass. Uh, although, if you've watched most movies, Charlie, you'll realise that we win in the end. Spoilers. So technically, we may be the flat track bullies because yeah. we don't we don't travel. Like yeah. we've never won a fucking away war. Yeah, but you know, but we have our own bogey team, the Apes. Oh yeah, that's true. Fucking, they're, <laughs> they are. If they get us on the wrong day, I mean, just we'll, we we'll just drop one against the Apes out of yeah. fucking nowhere. Yeah. Oh my god, it was Earth all along, like fucking crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I, oh, can I, I, I tell? Can I tell you this? We need to be quick, quicker today yeah. um, because I'm going to get a plane, come back to Australia and get to actually watch some footy live, which will be very nice fun and we'll get to do the podcast live and that sort of stuff. And your intro will be contained to just one date? I mean, that will be very helpful. I've got to be honest with you, Charlie. That has been a real spanner in my mix. And I'm now going to try to convince my dad also that the flight to Australia takes three days and I missed his birthday while I was in the air. But... <laughs> But I, um, uh, we needed to do this at a certain time so I could get to the airport. And then I was the one who was running late. And I want to tell you why I was running late because I was so organized, I fucked myself. So, um, as in but, you had time to do that? that yeah, was something I was like, took, in? and to be honest, it took me longer to get myself off than I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 10 late. No. Yeah. <laughs> Once I'm done putting the uh, lemon in this bottle, I'll use the bottle for something else. I mean, it turns out I don't find myself anywhere near as attractive as I thought I did. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, to finish, I had to look at myself from like one time, one side and pretend I had a wooden leg and, and I was Adam Hills. That's the only way I got off. <laughs> yeah. You've got your own seven year, you've got a masturbatory seven year itch. Yeah. Just not sure if you find it attractive anymore. No, um, the reason is that I decided I would get everything ready. Uh, before the podcast, so I was basically ready to go to the airport, and then I could just uh, go for my walk, drop off my keys, have a shower, head to the airport. Everything's ready, right? So, like, I've I've done that. I've got this new bag because obviously my you know lost luggage, so I had to go and buy a new suitcase to put a few things in to take back to Australia and whatever. So I've bought this new suitcase. I've packed in all this stuff that I needed to take home. I'm absolutely nailing this, right? And then three minutes before we were about to start the podcast. I was like, where's my microphone and recording device? Oh, you packed it. I packed it. Oh, <laughs> in yeah. the in the middle of the suitcase that oh, I had like been the worst. I, 
I was so proud of the packing I'd done of the suitcase, I'd already put it by the door. You know, yes. when you're like, yeah, you're like yeah, yeah. not you're only is it done, but it's like, this is how close I am to leaving. This suitcase is already by the door. It was yeah, by yeah. the door. And then I had to go to the fucking door and fucking unpack the suitcase and bring it back. So now it's and, on the and table. And then when you do that, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a disarming a bomb because you've got to work out. Well, if I move the jackets, right. does that disrupt too much of the other content? So you start pulling away smaller items that you think you can pack, and then you start getting confused about, oh, God, do I repack this in lower? That's tough, man. Did you just dig your hand in, or did you try and remove things in an orderly fashion? Uh, no, I just because I, well, I was on a time constraint, so I just had to dig my hand in. But I'm never going to get it back again. Like the first time, even the new suitcase was like, this is the fucking one-timer, mate. And you're yeah, not going right. to ask me to fucking squeeze this much shit in again. So something is not going home with me after this. Oh, by oh, the way, no. just just as a bit of a teaser or a, like a, you know to be continued. I know other yeah. podcast. I know other podcasts. Tofop, there has yet been yet another twist in the saga of my lost luggage. Oh, so yeah. So I will fill you in at a later date, possibly next Sunday when we record the other podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we spoke about uh, the aliens in Independence Day and their inability to travel. It's another team that has a clear inability to travel, and that's St Kilda. Um, you know, I kind of had a feeling that something was on, something was going to happen. Like you just sort of felt like, even though Gold Coast hadn't won a game, they were building. And it's funny, isn't it, Will? When you get a lot of your good players back, how much of a difference that makes. I mean, I thought it was a bad sign for St Kilda when before the game was pre-game entertainment, the Black Eyed Peas sang, I've got a feeling that tonight's going to be a shit night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched that game and <clears throat> the Saints, they were poor. Like, that yeah. was, like, you know, I've been on the St Kilda bandwagon all season and I do honestly mm. believe they are a good team, but... They did not come to play. In the classic no. old footy, they did not come to play. It was funny. It was it was exactly what we did to Geelong last week, Gold Coast did to us. Like right. it was just it was it it has to be a mindset thing, right? Like I mean, even Alan Richardson's press conference after the game was almost identical to Chris Scott's press conference where he refused to say that, you know, there were injuries or anything and he said that their preparation was all good. He thought they'll switched on, they're ready to play and then they just got blown out of the water. I mean, I didn't actually see it because I was heading off to watch your boys play. So I was listening, listening to it on the radio. But even on the radio, it's like, we're not getting our hands on the ball. We're second to the ball. It sounds like they're just running it from half back, which they, that has been like a big sort of criticism of the Gold Coast this year is because they lost a lot of their running players. And it's like, yeah. well, then it's not moving the ball very well, but didn't seem to be a problem today. So, I, I mean, it becomes an issue now. Like, we have lost the last nine uh, interstate games in a row. The last time we won, I think, was round six or round nine last year. So how do you approach that? Like, is that when you bring in the the, uh, the club hypnotist, like the Simpsons? <laughs> you know, I did a good job, a good job. I mean, maybe they have to do the thing the Bulldogs are doing. Have you heard about this, where they're taking no. their pillows and stuff on the road? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. No, I mean, that, that's adorable. Apparently to recreate home conditions so you get a good night's sleep the night you know, late before and stuff. You take your yeah, own right. pillow. Your, so own go, your own blankie. Yeah, teddy bear if you like. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you need to get to bed. Some Ovaltine. Well, it must... I mean, look, we, we, we have discussed this in talking about West Coast in the past. Like, how much is travel a factor? But 
clearly, I mean, St Kilda's record at the Dome is pretty good. I think it's something like we have not lost on a Saturday night in the Dome in 30 games or something, and we've won the majority of our games that Eddie had the last few years. But we get, it's not that we just get beaten into state. See, here's the thing. If I was going to look at it silver lining, uh-huh. I'd be like, lining? my silver lining is, A, uh, we're not going to play finals this year. So, you know, even though we've already had more wins this year than last year, so, you know, it's a tick this year for improvement. Any more wins, we're just, you know, getting ourselves out of a higher draft pick. Um, B, <laughs> if we, we lost by less than we lost at West Coast, and Adelaide, because we lost by 100 points to West Coast, about 80 points to Adelaide, and now 50 points to GWS. So, even though we haven't won, you know, there has been some improvement. And say, I don't know, I, I, I had to look for silver line. <laughs> uh, mate, here's the thing I would say is I, I think that's only the second Gold Coast game I've seen of the entire season. And if that had been the first one that I had seen, and I didn't know where Gold Coast were on the ladder, you'd say that they were definitely, like, going to play in the finals. Like... Mm. I mean, they suddenly, with you know, a bunch of those players back, you forget how much that has a flow-on effect for the rest of the team. Like, you know, mm. that when the best defender goes to Gary Ablett, regardless of whether Gary Ablett gets late 25 or gets 40, like, it still means that, you know, Aaron Hall gets to just fucking run around by himself and, like, you know, you know mm. dominate. And, mate, Lynch, if he was playing for any other team, that's his name, right, the full forward? Yeah, Tom right? Lynch. Yeah, yeah, Tom Lynch. Not, not mate, the one who plays for Adelaide. Yeah, also who's, who's also really good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Tom Lynch, like Gold Coast Tom Lynch, if he was playing for a team that was playing finals, he, he'd he be on track to kick 100 goals this year. No, absolute, no doubt. He didn't kick that well on the weekend, but the way he marks the ball and just the way he dominates, he is going to be an absolute, absolute superstar. I think that's I think that's completely uh, that there's a uniform agreement across across the AFL with that. The question is, they've got two guns coming out of contract in the, the year. They've got Jaeger O'Meara, who played that, half a game in the twos in the Neffel. Yeah, um, it's still question marks on his knee. I didn't realize it was as bad as it was. He hasn't played since like early last year. Um, and then Dion Prestia is uh, putting off contract talks. Now St Kilda apparently are in the talks because. You know, as we spoke about last week, we're cashed up and we're looking for yeah. someone. Tommy Rockliffe, maybe Brisbane has also been talked about. Jaeger O'Meara or Dion Prestia. So I, I also like St Kilda's approach. Really seems to be like some guy who's walked into a strip club with like just money coming out of yeah, their pockets so and good. stuff because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they really are just willing to throw it at anyone who's interested at this stage. Yeah. Well, no, it's more like the kind of guy who rocks up to a party and just goes ra- around asking every girl if they'll if they'll pass him. You know, yeah. even though it's not the it's not the most subtle or classy approach, maybe someone's going to fucking go for right. it. Right? Someone, maybe someone will pass it. That this is our approach. We're going to ask everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to ask every player to pass us. Well, do you want to play? Last... Do you want to play for the Saints? Anyone who's out of contract, do you want to play for the Saints? Do you want to come well, play for the Saints? Well, it's funny because last year uh, we were trying to get Rory Sloan, but we were being very wow. kind of coy about it. You know, not really uh-huh. sort of saying who we're going. Out. Everyone seemed to know who Sloan. we were talking about, but. St Kilda never said, oh, we're going for Rory Sloan. And then he re-signed anyway. Yeah. But then well, this maybe, year... that, maybe that's the problem. Yeah, maybe the, this year it's the bold new approach. They've just well, gone, this... it didn't, it didn't well, work no, last I think, time. Well, it's funny because Richo is still maintaining that kind of, you know, like coy, flirtatious sort of tone because he was asked about, you know, uh, players you'd be looking at. And he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to speak about individuals, but, you know, like a player like Tommy Rockliffe obviously has value. 
And then uh, Limon Tagna, or Tanya, I don't know how to say it yet, uh, he comes out on Sunday and says, oh, we should definitely go for Dion Prestier or Jaeger O'Meara. <laughs> like, he's just like, fuck it. Why are we even, why are we even dancing around this? Let's just go for the guys we want. Which, who knows? Might be a better <laughs> but- approach. Well, you know, just to let, uh, uh, I mean, to let a player know in the press that they're wanted, you know, that, that, right. that, that the, the players, players would think them. they'd be a gun. Yeah, I think it but that- could be a good approach. That also might be a club strategy. You know, there might be an element of going, like, from Richo going, I'm going to play a straight bat to it because he's not really allowed to dip his toe into it. But, like, you know, Joey, we know you do this radio spot and, you know, feel free to mention how much we'd love to have him at the club. That yeah, might, I, I, you wouldn't have seen it, but did you see, have you seen a replay of Joey's fuck up oh, in the, yeah, the gold yeah, square? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. one, it's one of those things where you're like, I mean, he's a classy champion player, but that was just instrumental of like, well, if he can fuck it up that badly, yeah. like it was just one of those moments where it was like a rule that he'd never ha- like, b- it, it comes up so rarely that situation that he'd never mm. bothered learning the fucking to, rule to, because yeah, to practice it. Right. Because he was just like, ah, oh, you know what? It's never going to fucking happen. And then it happened. <laughs> and then yeah. you look like a fucking idiot as you yeah. run around a square. And then like, I mean, it was. There was two. The that, worst. That, that was in the first quarter, I think. And then in the second quarter, we actually got a bit of a run on. And yeah. Revolt had three shots on goal in like yeah. a seven minute period, which could have pulled us back within, you know, like 15 points and missed all of them. And uh, it was old school Nick Revolt that kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, oh God, when your senior players are doing that, like it's just, it's just not going to be your day. But, maybe um, he's like, then, maybe Rewalt's like the Rolling Stones and he's like, I'm coming towards the end. You know, sometimes on the road, I'll play some of the old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the people who loved him, but loved him when he used to spray it everywhere. Cause they just yeah. loved that sort of thing where they had to kind of love him despite that. And in yeah. like, he's really, he's really become a reliable kick for goal. And those fans who loved him despite that, they're missing yeah. something. But you know yeah, what? Right. Sometimes on the road, we'll play some of the old ones. You know, yeah. I, like Radiohead played Creep when I saw them recently. That's his version of that. <laughs> you know what? Today, I'll fuck up three in front of goal. <laughs> For the fans. <laughs> the other thing that happened in that game was uh, Paddy McCartan got his fourth concussion of the year. Uh, yeah, this is, this is worrying. And, jeez, uh, it's, really, it's a really tough one. I mean, the thing... I would say they're going to definitely rest him for this week. They're doing con- concussion tests all week. I say just put him in. In the same silver lining philosophy I have about, look, we've won more games than last year and we're not going to play finals. And he is, like, he could be he could be an absolute Rolls Royce for us. He's shown so much already this year, but he's getting smashed. And I, you know, I watched what happened with Cozzy when they didn't take proper care of him. And Cozzy was a number two draft pick who won the NAB Rising Star and was an absolute gun, but they just allowed him to get smashed week in and week out. And then you just started seeing all these problems happening when he was five, six years into his career. The thing about concussion is, you know, no one really fucking knows anything about it. It's still, it's still a mystery. So, it, you know, it might be arbitrary taking two weeks off or taking the rest of the year off, but I think you've got to approach it cautiously. I mean, he is clearly, if he's going to be able to play football going to be such a good player like you can already see like in the way that he goes about it and those moments of things where you're going again like a lynch where you're like this is a guy who if he can get it all right and he can be all right with his health and all those sort of things you know this guy's going to be a really really good fucking footballer but he's like one of those things where you're just like you've bought some luxury old car 
but it just comes with some problems. Yeah. Like, like he already knew about the diabetes and the fact that he has to test himself twice a quarter and that he's going to have to like deal with that. And now mm. he's got this, like, he's had six concussions, like, you know, with his junior concussions and now, and it's like, mm. it's scary. But the other thing about it is, I mean, I guess the upside is that he can hit his head one too many times and forget he has diabetes and cure himself. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that medically can happen, but like, you know, fingers crossed. If it does, great long call by me. But, um, <laughs> not sure if that's medically accurate, Will, but okay. Well, no, I was, I heard somebody talking about the concussion thing, which is that, yes, I absolutely agree with you. Take, like, take three weeks, take four weeks or whatever you need to take to make sure 100% he's clear of it. But in some ways, it's not something that benefits from taking 10 weeks as far as anybody knows. Once you're clear, you're clear. So there is an argument to be made that it's still, you know, if he's clear, like you can get your head, like you could leave him out for the rest of this season and then like mm-hmm. first fucking preseason game, he's at Ballarat playing against the fucking Bulldogs and, you know, so- somebody fucking hits him in the head and he gets concussion again. I mean, there is an, an argument to be made that as soon as he's cleared medically that, you know, he could play. Well, the, the- the thing is, it's the, his concussions, there's been a couple which have been fairly like, you know, his crash packs and whatever, and it's like, okay, I can see. But then a couple of the other ones have been fairly innocuous, you know? Like it's, because with Cozzy, there was question marks over his awareness, and, you know, they'd done, like, apparently in his testing, they found his peripheral vision wasn't, you know, as good as other players, and they wondered if that was a factor. He doesn't see players, you know, coming in. But he's... Um, I reckon Paddy McCartan's been really unlucky. There's been a couple where he's put right. himself in harm's way where he's been concussed. But the one against Geelong, you know, he was smacked in the face by Harry Taylor going for a marking contest. Didn't get a free kick, mind you. He had his nose split open and stuff, but didn't get a free kick. And then um, the this one against the Gold Coast, like, you know, it was just sort of friendly fire. and But it didn't seem like a massive hit. So, I mean, I just, I actually texted my mate Nick and said, God, I hope this doesn't turn out to be another Cozzy because, like I said, you just, you just see the potential with this kid and he's the kind of forward that you can build like a team around. He's smart and, and, and he's got like, the, you know, fantastic hands and stuff. But this, for a big player, this is the time in their career where you can do some long-term damage by rushing them, by putting them into kind of, you know, like contested work against, you know, bigger bodies when they're not ready. Um, yeah, look, they don't know... They don't know about that much about concussion. Maybe he could come back after four weeks, but why risk it? You know, like if, if giving him the rest of the year off to kind of just get his body right and hit the gym and, you know, lose a few more pounds or whatever, then, you know, I guess it's that thing of, is it better to get games into him for next year or is it better to kind of get himself right for next year? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? The thing with the concussion thing is, like, there was some big stat, like, recently about how there's been so many of them of late, but I, I have a bit of a pet theory that I think that's probably because it's now being reported. You know, it's like domestic, it's like domestic violence statistics. They went up, uh, for a while, but like part of the theory is that it was always that high, but now because of the extra awareness. Oh yeah, there was a classic case in like 2005 where Stephen Baker, uh, punched out some player from Richmond and <laughs> Grant Thomas in the press conference, tried to justify it by saying, oh, well, he had that knock in the head uh, in, the, in the second quarter, so he, he didn't have his awareness when he threw that punch. And so everyone's like, well, hang on. So you sent a player who was concussed in the second quarter back on? Right. Yeah. Because that's, uh, that's against the rules. 
you sent a guy who did not know where he was. He was basically <laughs> one step up from being in Weekend at Bernie's, and you yeah. sent him back out onto the field because you were just. But that's what it was like. I mean, I yeah. think it was Alan Jeans who used to say that injuries above the neck don't count. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, in the old days, like, smashing your head or getting, like, concussion or whatever, and they would lie. All the players would lie on the tests and stuff to just go back out there. Everybody was in on it. Everybody was just, like... You've, you've, you've seen Creed, haven't you? When yeah. the uh, the doctor's holding up the fingers and he's saying, like, you know, how many fingers... Are, and, and Rocky's tapping him on the back of the neck to let him right. know how many fingers you should say. That was the AFL until eight weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, this current awareness of it, which I think is very, very good, but I think why the reason we're seeing so much and the reason you're seeing what you're seeing with, hopefully, uh, with Paddy is that they're being overly cautious now because we have a heightened awareness. Well, of we, like we have I, another, we have another player, Billy Longer, who's a, who's a ruckman. He's actually our number one ruckman all last year and he's had to take an extended, uh, period of time off from the twos because of, failing a concussion test, and it's been five weeks. So obviously there are, even though we're saying, you know, it's kind of arbitrary and no one really knows, there must be some, uh, there must have some indicators of the degrees being more severe than others for him to have been told to have five weeks off where other players come back after, you know, one week or two. Ted Richards came back through the twos in Sydney through the local competition there, he was cleared to play and they said they would have picked him, like, you know, in the ones. I mean, it's Ted's Richards, so of course they'd fucking pick him, right? But he's come back because he's not confident in himself with his concussion. He wants to play in, like, the twos because he just doesn't quite feel up to speed. So clearly from the player's point of view, there is a genuine... And I think it's good, by the way. I mean, I'm Mm. in favour of us, you know, taking this. In fact, I would go a step further. I'm a big believer in the fact that we should be overly cautious about this. And I do subscribe to that theory that's been floated about the concussion sub. Yeah. You know, that you should have like a person that if somebody has concussion, you can sub them into the game. So that, because I think in the spirit of the game, we all are like, no, 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 no. Like, you know. I reckon you just tweak that to make it a bit more interesting. The concussion sub also has concussion and you've got to determine which concussion is worse? So you can either use your concussion sub right. and have him come out and potentially punch his own teammate or chase a ball that's not there, or you can keep your concussed player on the ground because you don't think it's as bad. That's right. a good idea. And, well, basically what has to happen though, Charlie, is the, the player can't be concussed before the, the thing. So what happens on the sideline is after an incident, <laughs> one of the Campbell, assistant- Campbell, Campbell Brown turns up. Yeah, you have to have Campbell Brown as your assistant coach at your club or Barry Hall or whatever. Everyone will have their own one and they will administer the same level of justice. The same level of justice. (laughs) They'll be there with replay screens, you know, really trying to kind of like, you know, and then, and then Baz or like, you know, Campbell turns around and just fucking smacks us up. And then, yeah, so who would it be for the Bulldogs? It would be Barry Hall. Does he count? Did he play enough games for you to be considered your hard man? I mean, I think Sydney would want him, wouldn't they? Like, I mean, well, I who, think... okay, if you can't have Barry Hall, then who do you have to bring out from retirement to be your concussion assistant coach? I mean, here's the thing I would love, because it doesn't actually have to be somebody who played that way. It's just somebody who, you know, is willing you to take punch. the role. Yeah. For me, I'd like to say Brad Johnson. Oh, no. There's no, no. way, Brad. You no, have to give him a two by four. But this is the point, Charlie. This is the great yeah. joy of it is he's the last person on earth you would ever expect to administer that. But <laughs> the thing you know about Brad Johnson is 
he always does his job fucking properly and he's precise. Yeah, so, he's precise. So if you got, if you actually convinced him to do it, once he did it, he'd be like, well, if this isn't the good of the team and this is what I'm meant to do, he would, he would nail it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd have to get Stevie Baker back. I mean, that's just the obvious choice uh, at the Saints, but... Um, the thing about Stevie is you just don't know if he's going to stop at just concussion. Pretty soon he'll be smacking at your, your broken hands and trying to gouge you, stomp on your shoes and your feet with his stops. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity, though, for those older players. Much like, you know, what that with Stevie Johnson, where it was like, you know, play a year and then maybe coach a year. Like, you know, you could give another year to, you know, say Daniel Merritt or, you know, whoever and just go, look... We signed you to a two-year contract first year. We want you to play for that like first year of it. And then second year, we just want you to punch guys if there's concussions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll wrap it up on the Gold Coast. They beat the Saints by 40 points. Yeah. Um, Saints, uh, 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 you know what? It's fine. That's our last away game for the year. We understand there's a problem. Hopefully, uh, I'll give Richard a call. I'll see if, I'll see if I can, uh, I'll see if we can get to the bottom of it. Uh, the next game was, uh, uh, Port Adelaide, uh, playing the Bulldogs at Adelaide Oval, which was my luck of the week. <laughs> I said Richmond would win this. And I was sorely disappointed. Uh, it was Port Adelaide by 38 points. They're still teasing Port, aren't they? Like, they're mathematically, they're a chance. And, you know, they, when they, when they, like you with the Gold Coast, when they play well, you're like, oh, they've got quite a few good players. But there's only Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's one of those things where it's just a bit hard to fucking tell anything about, you know, anyone who is involved <laughs> in these games. <laughs> like, you know, across the entire, like, league from top to bottom, because anyone no, can win well, and I anyone mean, can lose. I, in some ways, you're absolutely right. But yeah. particularly these two fucking teams, well, these two teams, and I'd throw Collingwood into the mix. I have no fucking idea from week to week what we're going to expect from these teams or what you're going to fucking get. Like, like Richmond, like, again, have just given us evidence that they're terrible. And yet the Bulldogs have Richmond this weekend, and I'm shitting myself. <laughs> because, like, it's just, I don't fucking know. It's just like someone who's just fucking random. You know, when yeah. there's just someone in your group who's just really fucking, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, when they, they have they're... a couple of beers, you don't know right. if they're going to hug you or punch you in the face. Right. That's fucking Port and Richmond. Yeah. Although I feel like Port has um, done some soul-searching and, you know, is trying to fix their behaviour. Like, you know, it's not completely eradicated that occasional kind of, you know, uh, uh, psychotic episode, but they're, they're putting some, together some more consistent performances. The problem with Port is that they beat everyone they should beat and then they lose the games they, they need to win. Well, technically, and this looks like what will happen, is that means that they will finish ninth. Because if you beat all the teams that you're meant to beat, but you can't beat the good teams, you finish ninth. And so technically this game, when Port Adelaide beat Richmond, that was Port Adelaide becoming Richmond. Oh, my God. <laughs> now you are the Richmond. <laughs> now you are so Port Adelaide. So there's uh, been a lot of discussion around what the Tigers have to do for next year. Uh, you know, they've got acknowledged, they've got five superstars, and they've got an awful lot of junk. And the uh, best way to determine that is with one question. Will, who is the Tigers' best young player? Uh, I would say that the Tigers' best young player, without a doubt, Charlie, <laughs> has to be um, Jack Rewald. 
I mean, he's young compared to either of us. So I mean, Tigers fans will point to Medici or Manaju is has yeah. been a good player, but it just sort of points to their 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 lack of um, success in the draft in the last few years. Is they don't really like it, even when the Saints are losing games in Melbourne, and you know you can sort of get excited about you know some of the young draft picks they've had in the last couple of years. Whereas Richmond, it's kind of weird. I mean, were we seriously considering Richmond for top four a couple of years ago? I felt like we were. Or was it longer longer than that? I can't remember. It's been such a haze of disappointment. I can't remember when they were last seriously considered in contention. I really feel like Richmond are one of those like uh, bands that you thought were going to be really good and then just kind of fade away. And you're like, ah, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, oh, this band's got heaps of potential. They might be a really fucking... And then you're just like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Then they did their po- then they did a pop album and you're like what why are you doing that yeah Richmond are basically a band that were playing a lot on Triple J and like you know maybe came like you know say top five six in the hottest one hundred and you're like yeah. oh my god like next album they are gonna write a song that yeah. like is number one in the Triple J hundred and instead yeah. they wrote a song that didn't get played on Triple J but is all over Triple M yeah it's it's it's, got, it's getting picked up by Coca Cola it's getting played on advertising everywhere. It's a good analogy because, as we've discussed, Richmond all look like they play in indie bands. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're in trouble, I reckon, Richmond. Like, I mean, I think that they really, absolutely, I agree with you, that they don't have that next generation of players and they have a lot of very okay players, but not... So, I reckon, here's here's my prediction. Here's my... Lock of the week, you know. I think this is my lock of the year. I reckon there's going to be a big clean-out at the end of the year of not just players but coaching staff. I reckon they'll keep Hardwick because I think the the prevailing wisdom is that Hardwick's actually done a really good job with a very average list, and they think he's a good coach. So I think they'll hang on to him, but they'll look at getting some new assistants in. And I think that they one of those five guns is going to go on the trade table. I don't know who, but, you know, Tied Vickery... I'm not putting him in that five, that, that category of the top five, but I think he would be a potential trade bait. Uh, I think the thing with Hardwick is, and like it's, it, I think that there is an element of, like this, this year has revealed that I think that Damien Hardwick has probably been a pretty good coach because he's got a bunch of fucking, like he's been, I mean, he's been Emilio Estevez in the fucking Mighty Ducks. He's got a bunch of people who aren't actually that good, you know, very close to winning a whole bunch of fucking titles. And, Mm. And I think that, because I don't think that he does have the team, and I don't even think their superstars are quite enough of superstars, and so I think they probably have overperformed, and now we're getting a bit more of a realistic like read on... Uh, I I think it's got to be um, uh, fucking... Um, oh, what's his name? Like, uh, the... the uh, what are you talking about? Coach or player? No, to, to leave the player. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, who's the Richmond, uh, the, the one I said last time when we talked about this and now these fucking... Okay, so we'll say um, there's there's Cochin, there's Martin, there's Revolt. Um, um. <laughs> Who is, yeah. <laughs> to name five. The one you're uh, missing. Uh, um, uh, Rance. Oh, Rance. okay, no, the other one you're missing. Who's Basher the other Woolley? one? No. <laughs> Although Basher is wrapped to get on that list. Right now, well, somewhere, was, if Basher is listening I mean, he's to this been podcast. All year. He's been a big loss for them. I mean, he's, he was their best rebounding defender the last couple of years. Like, I know he's copped a lot of shit because of that final last year, or was it the game before the final last year where he, yeah. you know, went straight down the middle and he should have gone to the boundary line. But he's a good player. 
I mean, he's as good as any other kind of B grade running halfback. Right. No, he's a good player. There's no doubt he's a good player. But that's the problem. No, um, I, I can't believe I can't remember this guy's name. It's driving me crazy. Is he a midfielder? Is he a forward? Who are you talking about? Yeah, he's a, well, he's a midfielder slash backman. He's their best player, but he never plays because oh, uh, he's injured Delidio. all the time. Lids. Yeah, Lids. yeah exactly. Deledio. So, um, I think Deledio is your best trade bait. Apart, apart from the fact that I could not remember his name, I think he has, his brand has a lot of value in the market. <laughs> Mike, how can you uh, look up how old Brett Deledio is? That's D-E-L-E-D-I-O. Brett Deledio. Thank you. And Deledio was his name. Oh, um, <laughs> I would say he's 29, maybe 30. And I think if you're a top club and you're looking for someone who could add like real value. I mean, he could be a, sh- a, a, a Burgoyne or something for a Everyone team. Everyone brings right? up that. Yeah, he's 29. Everyone brings up that Burgoyne example. But Burgoyne was in his like, you know, mid to late 20s when he <laughs> went to Hawthorne. Right, but imagine, like, you know, if you replace Burgoyne with Dids, for example, right? If Burgoyne retired this year mm. and you replaced him with Dids and he plays another, like, yeah, I could three him, or four I years playing him, that role. I could see him going to a north. But if you were Richmond, right, you'd want to trade him to a club that's in the bottom eight so you can get another first round, like a, you know, a top draft pick, right? You wouldn't be trading I, him out. Well, what about Gold Coast or GWS? Both yeah. of those teams, you know, a team. Oh, that- he would. He would do amazing at GWS, and they could. I mean, and they—that's actually a, that's a good. That could be a win-win because he would just slot into that team of uh, players with elite disposal perfectly. He's got experience, not much finals experience, let's be honest, but he's got a lot of experience, right? <laughs> and they've got fucking draft picks like that they just can't fucking Up the use. Wazoo. Oh my yeah. god! So did you see that report? So this next draft that uh, Gold Coast and uh, GWS have—is it? 11 of the top 30 picks, I think. It, oh, no, it's, it's got to be more than that. Hang on, let me look it up. It's insane. But, yeah, uh, our clubs are fucked. I mean, we've talked about this before, but there's just nothing we do can do to compete with these guys anymore. We should just give up. Oh, mate, like, I, I, all I hope is the Bulldogs just fluke it this year because after that, we're all fucking doomed for the next 12 years. <laughs> Yeah, we're all doomed. That's exactly right. Yes, they have 11 of the top 34 picks, which right. is just, I mean, you're right. They're, 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 it's like, you know, that old Warner Brothers cartoon where the old lady's so rich, she just fucking stokes her fire with, you know, $100 bills. That's going to be them with draft picks. They'll, they'll, give you, they'll give you a couple of draft picks as like as steak knives when you do a trade with them. They'll do it just to make fun of you. Oh, mate, like, honestly, it'll be one of those things where they will have, like, a number seven draft pick being the fucking mascot at GWS. <laughs> like, they, they don't have room in that team for 11 new fucking good players. Well, it's actually good. I mean, I think that's, that, that, if, if you trade aggressively, if the Bulldogs and the Saints and, you know, Melbourne, Collingwood, if they trade aggressively with these guys, you're going to shake loose a couple of draft picks that they just, they just can't slot in anywhere. <laughs> like, they seriously, literally spoiled for choice. It's insane. I mean, honestly, I just, I'm, I'm full. I know yeah. that you prepared this dessert and it's I, free, but I'm full. I just, I can't, I honestly can't fit enough. No, I really fucking appreciate the effort you've Are you sure, to. sir? He's, I, I just, uh, he's, a, he's a good inside and outside midfielder. He averages about 27 possessions of games, five clearances. You, I couldn't tempt you to just uh, take one more. Do you know what? If you can box it up, I think I've got a friend who might really like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Richmond um, Richmond just... 
it's it's going to be it could be ugly for the next couple of years or who knows maybe Hardwick's knows how to maybe Hardwick can master the soft the soft reboot. Uh, I mean, I think it can turn around really, really quickly. That's the thing that we like about this current day game is it doesn't really actually feel like it can. I did love this week that though that they lost the guy from the club who was like the leading teams guy. You know, the guy who was essentially the leading teams guy got fired, which I'm like. Do you use the principles of leading teams when you fire someone from leading teams? Like, does everybody get around, give some, like, 360-degree feedback before they move you on? Um, What do you think about Port? Where are they? They're just the new Richmond? Is that where we leave it? Yeah. Do they look to to the draft next year? Do they look to bring someone in? Or have they just had an off year, off couple of years? Oh, you know what? I don't think they're a bad team. And if they could like finish out the rest of the season, how they've been playing, and, and even if they finish ninth, look, there's still a chance that one of the teams could drop out of the eight. And the most likely team to take that place, I think, is Port Adelaide, if it was. So I think you keep yourself in the mix and hope that like maybe somebody does start to have a really bad run or whatever, and then it's up for grabs. But I think they're most likely to finish fucking ninth again. I mean, they would have been about ninth or tenth last year as well. And so it does make them the new Richmond in some ways because they are super fucking talented on their day, but they just aren't quite good enough. They've missed Ryder this year, I think, but I can't see them being a top four team without. Yeah, they need they need a couple of I think better players. You want you want them in because if they sneak into uh, the bottom half of the eight. Adelaide are most likely to finish in the top half, and what you could get right. in the first week of the finals is a derby, which is always awesome. And the, all the rules go out the window; then it doesn't matter what the the ladder positions are; anything can happen. So that well, that'd be good for football. I think if you're Port Adelaide, that's kind of what you're hoping, right? You sneak into the eight, you get Adelaide in the first week, and then suddenly it's like a fifty-fifty game because, like yeah. you know, they play it at Adelaide, and you all just go out there and have a fucking crack at it, and who knows what happens on the day. But yeah, I still couldn't be amazing, right? But I still couldn't see them making it past the next game, even if they did do that. No, no. Well, isn't what's that statistic? Like no one has won the premiership outside the top four since I think Adelaide in '97 or, or '98, maybe I can't remember when. But yes, yeah, definitely not in the modern era. Uh, now, should we just uh, set aside, just get comfortable, stretch out a bit before we talk about this next game? Because I think we're going to be here a while. The Western Bulldogs triumphed over the Sydney Swans in a nail-biter up at the SCG on Saturday night. I was there. Yeah, so, okay, so I'll t- I, we've talked on TOEFOP a little bit about this, but I went to bed because uh, it was mm. the day of the Australian election and also the Bulldogs game, and I'm here in LA, and it was just going to be too late at night to get the result for either. It turns out that, you know, it was going to be way too uh, late at night to get the result for the election. But I decided what I would do is I would wake up early the next morning and on a Sunday morning I would lay in bed and I would watch the Bulldogs game and then I would check out the result of the election because I couldn't check Twitter and Facebook and those sort of things because I didn't want to see spoilers of either. So I start watching the game and, I mean, it's 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 pretty tight in the first half. You know, like, although... Did you see that moment where Rampy nearly killed that goal umpire? No. No, maybe you would have missed I must it. Have if missed you're that. A, 
at the game, but on the yeah. television, there was just this moment where he's running like through and essentially was literally about to smash straight through this young female goal umpire. Was he trying was to like, stop a stop a goal going through? Yeah, and he yeah. runs, and then yeah. they just basically are about to collide, and he does one of those things where, like, I'm sure the fucking fitness staff would have hated it because he quite, he pulls up really short, like on one leg, and then just kind of gives her this like hug in this <laughs> moment where basically, like, he should have been whispering to her, "You were almost about to die." <laughs> like, like, cause he's going full speed and she was tiny. I was like, oh my yeah. God, he's about to murder someone at the SCG in front of like 35,000 witnesses. Yeah, like, he grabbed it, her and said, tell your mama saved you. Tell your mama <laughs> saved you. Here you go. Hello. Here's a good story. You're not dead. <laughs> and, um, but the first half was pretty tense. Like it was a pretty yeah. kind of like tight jewel. arm wrestle. The, uh, yeah. the thing I, I, I was saying to you the other day was, um, it kind of, it, 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 the momentum shifts happened uh, so often in that first half, and each time it swung one way, I became convinced that that's how it was going to stay. Like, right. you know, the Swannies got up and about, and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then the Bulldogs hit back, like, oh, yeah, they're going to be fire. But it was that third quarter where the game opened up a lot because it right. sort of felt like that's what was going on, was the first half was all about um, contested ball, defensive structures and stuff. And then in the second half, either through fatigue or through design, the game opened up massively. And the Bulldogs were all over them. They just, the, the simple footy term was they just wanted it more. Like you just right. could tell that they hunted in packs, they ran to support. You know, um, your, uh, your spread is, um, <laughs> your spread's amazing when you need to get numbers back. Like it, that's the thing they really noticed is like, uh, you guys get numbers back to sort of uh, help your defenders out. But then when you want to get that quick one over the back, it's not just one or two. Well, there's Jakey Stringer leading by a country mile. <laughs> as soon right. as he gets a hint that there might be one over the top. But you get like a wave of four or five players who even your big players actually are quite good athletes and can cover the ground really well. Because you saw like, um, as I think Sinclair is in the ruck now for the Swans. And like Will Minson was just running him around the shop. He just didn't have an engine to keep up with him. Uh, I mean, I think the thing that's so, like, pleasing about the Bulldogs, because I do think that we still struggle to score, and that's going to be a problem come finals time, I would have thought. And, and you know, we're obviously only just getting our players back now, you know, some of that. But the team structure and, like, the game plan and the desire has held up so well over this season. Like, it's been a great season to be a fan of the Bulldogs. Like, we had our one kind of really shocking game against Geelong before the bye. But, but you know, like, other than that, we've been pretty respectable most weeks. Through massive injuries and through, like, all these setbacks, like, this what style of play and the way they attack it. But the thing that I've loved the most is, like, in the brown low from the Bulldogs... Bont and Pally would have a bunch of votes because he had a little string of games where, like, he was clearly the best player on the ground and he polls really he well. He had a little string of games, but unfortunately, Stringer hasn't had the, the same Bont of games. <laughs> but the spread of good players has been amazing. Like, every week, it's kind of that thing of going, it's Hunter this week, or it's Wallace this week, or it's Liberatore this week, or it's Bont and Pally this week, or it's Daniel, or it's, you know, like... You know, Johannesson came back and, you know, played so well, like, you know, first game back, which, oh, by the way, I heard him interviewed on the radio, uh, Jason Johannesson, not Jake Johannesson. Yeah, Jason, Jake Johansson, Johannesson. Yeah, JJ. Yeah, 
Triple J. Quadruple J. Uh, old school Triple J. Double J. <laughs> <laughs> so in the old days... Um, so he wasn't meant to play on the weekend because he was out for 10 weeks and he wasn't meant to come back through the uh, VFL. VFL. And he's actually a very, like, well-spoken, respectful sort of guy, even though the way he plays football and his actual fashion sense are both a bit flashy. Like, yeah. when you hear him being interviewed, like, he actually plays a really kind of, like, straight bat, very sensible, very respectful, all about the team. And then they asked him about the fact that he was meant to come back through the VFL. And, uh, and, uh, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is kind of the gist of it. You just saw that personality just for a second because they said, you know, did you say anything to Luke Beveridge? And he goes, yeah. He goes, uh, as soon as the siren went, Bevo came over to me and I said, geez, it would have been pretty hard to kick that winning goal from Coburg. <laughs> <laughs> did he really say that's awesome? Yeah. <laughs> It was a pretty amazing last, uh, last bit of play because if you watch the replay, essentially when Bont takes that mark, and as we know, like Bont has a bit of demons with his goal kicking, so it was probably more of a 50-50 chance from where he was. But Jason is standing right next to him. Next to him. And then literally just runs backwards like an umpire, runs backwards 15 metres saying, kick it, kick it, kick it, kick it, and manages to square it up. It's really terrible marking by the Swans. But the weird thing is... Um, if you watch, I was because uh, I was watching one of the AFL shows, and if you watch the Swans game where they lost to Richmond after the siren, it's almost identical. Like the, from the, posi- the the position the ball's kicked to, and the and the breakdown of their their defensive structure in that part of the ground at that time of the game, like clearly it's become a, a, an issue for the Swans. I don't know if it's a kind of concentration thing or if they literally have just not got their structures right, but. Teams now are not going to lose hope if the Swans are leading with two minutes to go. You just know that you can isolate someone one out in the forward pocket. Yeah, it was interesting to see because like every time I've watched the Swans this year, they've just been so dominant. So to see how when a team is playing well against another team, you just forget how suddenly like people that you think are just unstoppable suddenly look like mere mortals again. Like, it's that sort of thing of, like, anyone can look good in a good team, whereas, like, mm. it's the real stars that can... I mean, Buddy was still magnificent, you know, mm. in a losing team. I don't mean a team that lost by a kick, but mm. but some of the other Sydney stars kind of got shut down by the way the Bulldogs approached it, and you were like, oh, yeah, okay. It's such an amazing yeah. year this year for, like, who could win it, because you kind of go, oh, Sydney's probably flag favourite, and then you go, well, the Bulldogs beat Sydney, and I'm not sure the Bulldogs are the best team in it. Like, and then you're like, well, Geelong are the best team in it, and then they lose to fucking people that they shouldn't lose to. And then you're like, well, Hawthorne's still top of the ladder now by a game. Like, and mm. you're like... <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, there's a, all the discussion last week after Hawks got to the top of the ladder was like, oh, it's only going to be for a week because the Swans will be top right. of the ladder soon. It's like, no. no. Like, they, this is Hawthorne. Like, this is what they do. They're just fucking professional winners. It's so... Fuck off, Mike Hal. You just put up a smiley emoticon. <laughs> Hey, can I mention something about the Bulldogs game? Well, a couple of just a couple of quick yeah. things about the Bulldogs game, which is I, I haven't seen a game of footy for a few weeks. How long has Libba's hair been like that? Uh, I haven't seen a lot of the Bulldogs the last couple of weeks. I don't know. I don't know. Why? You have a uh, problem with it? No, I don't. No, I don't have a problem with it because <laughs> I firstly let those without sin cast the first fucking stone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've had plenty of fucking terrible haircuts. So, yeah. like, you know. But secondly, no, I loved it because he kind of looked like... I mean, this is such a weird reference. But do you remember Kid and Play? Yeah. 
like he house did. party kid and play. Yeah, yeah. What, the way that kid? it's cut, and he's got yeah. that kind of look, and he looked like kid and play. Like, and I was just like, liver, yeah. rocking his fucking kid and play, dude. Well, maybe it was Nonna's meatballs again. <laughs> maybe his hair gets a bit of extra lift from Nonna's meatball. Nonna's meatballs. And secondly, Caleb Daniel, what a fucking uh, absolute Champion. star player he is. But on the commentary, if you're watching the re- like, if you're watching the game, the commentators have. You know he's actually a grown man playing professional football. Stop with the fucking baby talk. Like, every time he gets it, uh, it's no. like he actually is a kid. They're like, oh, look at little Caleb Daniel. you can't help it. Little- I was at the game. I was at the game, and he looks adorable because... But he's not an Auskick kid. I he's a fucking well, professional footballer. You know what? Like, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Because he has that helmet, too. It kind of takes yeah. away like any kind of definition between the neck and shoulders. So he yeah. just looks like this little humpty dumpty little little man. At one stage he was standing next to Buddy and our entire box were pissing ourselves laughing. Like it was such a great visual gag. It was basically the poster for twins recreated on an AFL field. Yeah, it's adorable. It, I, I, actually at Buddy's two hundred and fiftieth Caleb Daniel's gonna run out with him. <laughs> Gonna, <laughs> Buddy's gonna carry him out through the banner. Yeah, in a in a buddy in a buddy jumper. <laughs> I guess if you were an Oskid kid who was trying to play in the AFL, you would wear a helmet to kind of disguise. I guess there yeah. is some sort of. Well, he's a he's a sneaky chance for the uh, the rising star this year. I mean, he should, I, he should be in front. He's he's the he's. I I remember, I remember that draft a couple of years ago. There was something on the Saints message board about everyone should check out this kid from South Australia. He's tiny, but he's captain of the whatever city team and he's dominating. And I watched his highlights and he was awesome. Like he was tiny, but he just kind of great composure, great skills. And, you know, the only knock on him, uh, Emma Quayle and all the other kind of uh, draft sort of uh, uh, journalists were saying if he was, you know, five, six inches taller, he would be, you know, top 10 draft pick, no problem. But his size was the only knock on him. And it's just so great. You know, again, it's such a testament to AFL that a player who physically does not look like, you know, the rest of the athletes out there could be, you know, the, the rookie of the year, essentially. Oh, I mean, I think it's absolutely amazing. And plus, we're saving a little money under the salary cap because he gets all the kids' prices on clothes. So, I mean, it's actually... <laughs> no, I mean... It is one of those things where I remember when that draft happened that Emma Quayle had written a thing about going, this guy's value. Like, he's a yeah. really great decision maker. He's a very good footballer, but people will be put off by, you know, his size. And I was excited mm. when we got him. And, you know, he's been uh, such a great, you know, I think the us. only hassle for the dogs is in the, in, the, in the rooms before the game when they're on the warm-up bikes, the fact that his bike has spoky dokes on it, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's a bad look for the club. <laughs> Well, mate, I actually think it's a much better look than last season where uh, Will Minson had to actually just have him on the back of his bike. <laughs> Will, Will, the season before, when it was like his first season at the club, Will actually had to carry him around in one of like those baby bonnets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got, uh, we've got about another 10 minutes before you have to jump yeah. on a plane to Australia. So let's get to the, uh, the game of the round. Yeah. High skills, exciting. Collingwood versus Carlton. Um, again, like one of the lowest scoring games of the year. Um, Collingwood 57 points over Carlton 45 points. It was hard to watch. It was really, 
it didn't have it didn't even have any of that kind of oh well traditional rivals as a bit of spite in it. It was just it was just kind of bad, bad all round for everyone. Ca- oh, poor the Casbold effect was out of control. I, I mean, it's now spread from his goal kicking to his field kicking. Like some shocking turnovers. I don't know. I don't know who's coaching him down there. Apparently, Savroka was full time last year with. Casbolt when he's kicking improved, but then they couldn't afford him this year, and so he's, he's gone backwards a bit. But yeah, not a very inspiring game. I saw some footage of. I didn't see any of this game because everybody I saw online said this game was barely watchable, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to watch it. I can assume yeah. it. Um, but I saw some footage on one of uh, like the replays of his ball drop, Casbolt, and like he drops it from like in front of his fucking face. Like, no wonder yeah. he can't kick it straight. Like, the, the, the distance... He can't see tra- where his foot is. I mean, literally, I think, like, one of the goals he attempted, they dropped it from a blimp above the fucking stadium. <laughs> like, it was like, they had a guy, they had a guy on a fucking satellite with a can of fucking Red Bull who jumped out of the fucking satellite and dropped the ball and Levi swung his fucking foot at it. You know, it's funny, there's a player for the Gold Coast... Peter Wright, who's a, a ruckman come forward. Uh, uh, him... uh, sorry, Charlie, do you mean two meter Peter? That's the guy. <laughs> and you will always see the commentators mention that for a tall bloke, he has an yeah. excellent ball drop. He guides yeah. it right because it's a long way for him yeah. to drop. Virtually is like dropping it from a satellite to his foot. By the way, does two meter Peter, like every time I hear it, I just, for some reason I just think porn star. I, I don't think if you were called two meter Peter, you could be a porn star. Because that's <laughs> not a work with you. Like, I mean, I I just don't feel like you find anyone to work with. And that's just something about like inch high, like you know, people talk about having an inch high private eye, and then there's the two meter Peter. <laughs> For some reason, it's the it's the kind of alliteration which gets me. Well, I, I hope there's not like a lot of st- articles about him because you wouldn't want to say let's open the two meter Peter file. So, uh, what does this do for Buckley? I mean, they beat Carlton. They're probably, I think they're on the same wins as St Kilda now. Like, they're going to miss out in finals. Like, if you're one of those pie supporters, and there are a few who aren't happy with Bucks and don't want him around, isn't it better that they lose a few more games, get a better draft pick? It's hard to tell with Collingwood. I have no fucking idea anymore, to be honest with you. I, I think they're one of those... Look, again, as you know, I, I don't think Carlton are great. And I've, I, I think that their form has been, it's been nice that they've had that sort of thing, but I always thought they kind of had mis, slightly misleading form. So the idea that they managed to beat fucking Carlton by like a couple of kicks in one of the worst games of all time still doesn't really reassure me that like Collingwood are a really good, you know, football team. Um, I think it's more what do they want from the year though? Like, are they, are, are, they're not going to claw back respect by winning, you know, six out of the last seven, are they? I mean, I don't think you want to win a heap. But I don't think they have to worry about that. I think you want to win enough that... Because Buckley's going to coach next year regardless. So I think you do actually want to win enough games. Yeah. That's your lock of the week? That's my uh, lock of 2017. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think you... It's it's 2016, mate. But that's what I mean. Like, I'm locking in for 2017. Jesus, Charlie, I've had to explain all these things. But... (laughs) I've got a succession plan for this podcast, by the way. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Rosie, welcome aboard. No, so, I mean, I think he'll get to start 2017 as coach of Collingwood, barring some major catastrophe that happens between now and the end of the season. I think they've got to 
I, I think Collingwood are one of those teams that have been hard hit by injury. I do actually mm. believe that is the case, and I do think they'll probably be better next year. And if they recruited and got a couple of gum players, they could probably be pushing for the eight again next year. Mm. Um, but yeah, I reckon you want to win a few. You want to show something, but you don't want to win mm. everyone because you want to get some good draft choices. Yeah, and it's now raining. It's now torrential downpour on, on Carlton's parade. Those... Four wins in a row seem like a distant memory, but I think that's fine. Like, I think let's not, you know, get delusions of grandeur. Just, you know, have a few wins to get excited about. Brendan Bolton can obviously coach. You don't have the cattle yet. You're not going to finish last thanks to Essendon and Frio. So just, you know, just enjoy the... Carlton, take the rest of the year off. Uh, by the way, I, 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 you know, I dissed Brendan Bolton last week. I said he didn't go to the dinner, you know, the coach's dinner. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I later found out that he had to make a trip to Tasmania to uh, do something around the Tasmania Hall of Fame. So he had a pre-existing oh. commitment during the week. So, Well, he was getting inducted. I, I don't know, but probably. No. I mean, how many people could they have down there? He'll do. <laughs> yeah, him and Doc Baldock. He's coached two teams in the AFL. That'd put you in the Tasmanian Hall of Fame, wouldn't it? Yeah. Him, Richo, Nick yeah. Rewald, who lived there for Do- like two years or whatever. Doc, Doc Baldock. <laughs> yeah. Mav Weller. And Ian Stewart. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and Tim oh, and when those, when those redheaded, uh, twins from Fitzroy and the Bulldogs, they, the Atkinsons. Remember them from the 90s? The Atkins? 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 Yeah. The Atkins, Atkins. twins. Yeah. Simon, yeah. Simon, Simon the Handball Man Atkins. Yeah. <laughs> I used Last to love Simon Atkins. He was a good footballer. The last game of the round was uh, Adelaide defeating Melbourne at the MCG, um, which actually was a really entertaining contest. It was fairly yeah, free-flowing. I, I, I watched that game. That was a good game, I thought. Yeah. Most I mean, Melbourne it. sort of... The, the, Melbourne were thereabouts, but I never really felt like they got a run on. I never really felt like they were seriously going to ch- challenge Adelaide, but it was a, a really good game. And uh, Eddie Betts, for the first time ever, did not have a freaky goal go, go his way. Have you seen that? Uh, I the mean, one who tried to kick off the was, ground that rolled that, away from the goal. It was one of those things where, like, almost everyone, you know, like sometimes when there's an umpiring decision and it stops, but neither team knows who the free kick's going to. So everyone just kind of like stands mm. there weirdly and awkwardly. That's what almost happened yeah. live during a game because yeah. everyone was just like, hang on, wh- wh- what happened? <laughs> I mean, it'll bounce back in a minute, right, through for a goal. Yeah, yeah. This is just making it more freaky. It'll bounce this way, but then it'll bounce back way back that way. And then it'll be like a... But he was good still. I mean, it was... Yeah. I mean, again, and again, Garlet. Like I said it the week before with, like, Thomas and, you know, Betts at ATM. But, like, you know, watching Garlet and Betts there at ATM for a while was... I mean, it's just... It's fun football to watch. Well, Adelaide, I mean, no question now they have the best forward line going around, right? Like, it's just the perfect blend of talls and smalls. You know, they've got, like, the endurance machine, Tommy Lynch, who can move up and down the ground. They've got Jenkins as your second tall. You've got your traditional gorilla in Tex. And then you've got, like, the best soul forward in the game, supported by Charlie Cameron. Like, they don't even really need any other players. Just, you know, just as long as they can just get it... Get it to that forward line. I guess the midfield is the only really sort of suspect area, but they've got Rory Sloan, who's like a potential Brownlow medal chance now. Yeah, Sloan's great. Um, Thompson played a little bit better on the weekend. I mean, I and the Crouch brothers both kind of like started to play anyway. But yeah, I think they're still... I mean, I do think they have some deficiencies and they can't put teams away, but mm. um, they're, they're going to be in the mix, Adelaide, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Melbourne, well, you know, 
Melbourne doing what they have to do. Let's look yeah. ahead to round 16 very quickly. Uh, oh, by Thursday. the way, I should, should oh, yeah. just quickly mention that Zaha Rakis and Jamar both got one week uh, as Essendon players at the tribunal, and I think that's unfair because I think it's actually more of a punishment to play for Essendon. <laughs> so, <laughs> Round 16, Thursday night, Port Adelaide take on Hawthorne at Adelaide Oval. Um, ooh, this is an interesting game. Port, a resurgent Port Adelaide, but... Uh, I think that uh, I think I think Hawthorne are just starting to gear up now. They know where they are. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, they've had a week off, which can sometimes work against teams. But I just reckon, I just reckon the Hawks are too good. They've got too much to play for now, maintaining top spot. And uh, Port are going to finish ninth, as you predicted. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, you, you just can't really pick against Hawthorne. It's one of those things where I can see Port losing this. This is the sort of one that I can imagine Hawthorne a game out from everyone else. You know, they, they still have the capacity to lose these sort of games. So it wouldn't surprise me if Port won. But yeah, I would say Hawthorne. Next up, we have uh, Geelong taking on the Swans at Skilled Stadium, which becomes a fucking massive danger game now right. for the Swans. I reckon they would have, in their minds, banked the game against the Bulldogs, thinking they could drop one against the Cats. But the Cats coming off a loss to St Kilda, then the bye, and now the Swans coming off uh, the Bulldogs game. Geez, if it's wet down there, could be real tough. I'd say, Charlie, that this is an eight-point game. I'm going to drop it. It's an eight-point right. game. I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, these are the two teams that are, I think are probably most likely to play in the grand final. And so it'll be really interesting to see how they match up against each other. I would think down at Geelong. Like, I would still think Geelong. Geelong at Geelong. They're hard to beat down there. Yeah, I'll say the same thing. At Spotless Stadium... The Giants take on Collingwood in what should be a fantastic game to watch if you hate Collingwood. Ah, oh, and who doesn't, apart from Collingwood fans? So, <laughs> so this will be a great game to watch for everyone who doesn't vote for Collingwood. Is this the first time Adam Trelaw has played against his old side? Oh, yeah, so there'll be a bit of interest, you know, in that, I think. But otherwise, I mean, this is one of those ones that GWS, I mean, this could be brutal. Like, you know, they're in really good form. They're at home. Yeah. I think that, like, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, Mason Cox is falling off with his form for Collingwood. You know, I don't think they were that impressive, even though they won. Like, I really mm. feel like GWS might. I mean, I, mean, I think the that... fact that we're even talking about Mason Cox's form falling off when the guy had never even heard of the game two years ago is fucking insane. Like, the fact that he even had form to lose is insane. Oh, like I, the only value that Collingwood should get out of this game is they essentially should be told by Nathan Buckley before the game, hey, whoever you're manned up against, see if they want to come and play for Collingwood. <laughs> totally, it's a recruiting drive. If they could, if they got like, you know what, we lost by 90 points, but I feel like we recruited two or three guys today. So, yeah. Up at, the, uh, the, the runners should come out with money. <laughs> up at Metricon Stadium, it's the Q Clash. Q yeah. Clash 2 for 2016 as the uh, I mean, resurgent... Would, would you say this is the... I mean, of all the derbies, do you think this is the big one, the Q Clash? Oh, yes. This is the one yeah. that stops the nation. Yeah. They'll draw at least 15,000 to this game. Uh, I don't know, actually. Um, the I think the Gold Coast... I mean, the uh, Gold Coast is going to win this and they're going to win it easily, but I get the feeling they didn't have too bad a crowd against the Saints. And that was a 50-50 game. So this one, you might see a few more you know, bandwagoners back through the door. 
Also, they were entertaining to watch. And this, I mean, for all the joking aside, like, you know, it is a local derby. And I do think that the two teams, there is some level of animosity between them. So, like, I, I, I you know, it, sh- it should be a good game. And, yeah, I think Gold Coast, I mean, I enjoyed watching them on the weekend. They were <laughs> they were really good football team to watch. So, yeah. I reckon now Gold the, Coast. The next game is it. Eddie had, which is the one that you're terrified about, is uh, the Bulldogs taking on Richmond. The who knows what you're going to get, Richmond. Right. Um, this is, a, I guess, a danger game. In the same way that St Kilda, you know, after the big win over Geelong, we dropped our bundle against Gold Coast where we were a good chance of winning. You know, that potentially could happen here. I don't know. I think your outfit is a lot more disciplined and they've got a lot more to play for than my outfit. So I'm, I can't see the Bulldogs losing this one. At Eddie had as well. Um, you know, Richmond should really be looking to the future. If he's not playing kids already, then that's what they should be doing. So uh, I just reckon the Bulldogs for this one. I mean, certainly I would say to, uh, to Dimmer if he is listening, like I would blood youngsters. I would um, play players that you're not sure about just to see if, you know, what they're like at that sort of <laughs> level. I mean, I'd really encourage that. No, um, no, this is one of those ones that we should win. I mean, we play well at Etihad and they're a team that we should beat and we really should win it comfortably. But I just kind of, like, we, you know, against Collingwood, we kind of, you know, took our eye off it a bit as well. I mean, I think we're in pretty good form and we should win that. Yeah. The next game, oh, God, where is this again? T.O. State, is that the Northern Territory or Alice Springs or something? Melbourne versus Frio. It says T.O. <laughs> I don't know what that... Um, uh, former Mara, Marara Stadium. I still don't, that, I still don't know where that, what's, where, what part of the country that's in. Obviously, Melbourne have sold a whole, a home game to somewhere that I've, I have no idea where it is, but well, sure they're going to be crowded. Melbourne there. and Fremantle. So where's it going to yeah. be? If like, so it's going to be Melbourne Did, who sold doesn't it. Doesn't Melbourne play games in the Northern Territory? Didn't they sell some games to the Northern Territory? Alice Springs? Uh, Alice, is it Springs? Alice Springs? I don't know. Can you find, Mike, how can, yeah, it's Darwin. in Darwin. Okay, great. Right. Excellent. Knew that. Uh, Melbourne. Melbourne will win that easily. Frio are done. Cooked. Goodbye. Is Pavlich retiring? Is that what I understand? Is that what Ross Lyons basically come out and said, it's a good time for Pav to leave? But has it, there hasn't been an official announcement, has there? No, he's negging him, I think. I think he's like, he's going, you know, it's like it's a good time for him. Like, because you can't, he gets to make his own call of when he leaves. So all yeah. Ross Lyon can do is start hinting. Yeah, like, well, Ross- it's not, not a very subtle hint. Ross, well, Ross Lyon hints like one of those uh, Russian like mobsters who comes around to your house and goes, "Whoo, you got a lot of pretty things. Yeah. It'd be a real pity if anything <laughs> happened to these pretty things." <laughs> Next game is on Sunday. Is the Navy Blues taking on Adelaide at the MCG? Oh, so happy hunting ground for the Crows. They're back at the MCG, second week in a row, just tuning up for the finals. Um, they'll bash them. They'll bash them good. I reckon ten goals. That's my yeah. luck of the week. Adelaide, 10 goals. Eddie Betts, Josh Jenkins, you know, their real flat track bully, like forward line guys will fill their boots. I reckon Jenkins will kick seven. All right. Is that your luck of the week? That's my luck of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I make Charlie do my sound effects. <laughs> Over at Domain Stadium, the irrelevant West Coast Eagles take on the Bleeding North Melbourne Kangaroos. Interesting game. Shit. Uh, you know what? It will be an interesting game because, uh, like I said, everyone's forgotten about the Eagles. They dropped out of anyone's kind of calculations a few weeks ago. North are struggling with an injured Goldstein and 
just a, a few players carrying injuries, and they haven't had a big win in, in quite a few weeks. If they could win this, it could give their the second half of the season a shot in the arm, I reckon. Oh, it'd be a great win for North. If North can win, this would be a great win for North. But I just think, I mean, it's a hard one to pick, but I would say West Coast at home. And the last game of the round is Etihad Stadium. Uh, the Bombers taking on St Kilda. Now, a bit interesting this for me, because uh, as you know, Will, I've been... Um, Slowly but surely, incrementally making that crawl towards number one ticket holder at St Kilda. I'm Absolutely. behind a fairly illustrious, illustrious list. There's Molly Meldrum, there's Eric Banner, there's Shane Warne, you know, much bigger celebrities than me. But well, I was... you're, you're behind an Eric Banner sex scandal, basically. <laughs> well, because well, Shane's already had one, so I don't have to worry about his. Yeah, I don't think one would help uh, hurt Warney. I don't know what would, I don't know what would hurt Warney at this stage. To be honest, he's just going to have to not want it. <laughs> Uh, but I was contacted via Twitter by Amit Baines, the recruiting manager of the St Kilda Football Club, who uh, said that, you know, he heard I was going to be coming to town and would I like a couple of room tickets after the oh. game? Oh, so know. I've accepted, but now I'm terrified that they're not going to win. And then do I still have to go into the rooms after yes. a loss? Yes. You, you do. And what do I do, though? Just stand around look, looking sorry? No. Be I've never been into the rooms be for, after be, a loss. Be forthright about your opinions. That's why they've invited you. For your straight <laughs> yeah. talking. Yeah, that's what they want to hear. The guy from that podcast has some strong opinions. Mate, give them some leading teams, you know? Just <laughs> sit them down. Have, have you, because I've, I've been into rooms before. I went with you this year to see the Bulldogs and I've been yep. to the Saints rooms before, but I've never been in after a loss and I'm not sure what the protocol is. Have you been in the rooms after a loss? Ah, uh, I don't know that if I have actually, because I don't think I've ever felt obliged to go to the rooms, which is what you're doing. You're feeling yeah, yeah. obliged. Oh right? no, I'm I'm happy for them. I like you know he offered them, and I, and I said yeah, I'll definitely take them. No, and no, I, but I but as in like you feel like you, once you've taken them, you have to do it. Yes. Whereas it whereas in the occasions that the option has been available to me, it's always been just like a, if you want to come and do it. So like you know you can just do it if they win really. Yeah, well, it's like it's kind of like being invited to a party. Like you know, you're you're not really friends with the with the you know the boyfriend of your friend, and then you find out they break up, and it's like, oh, well, do I still have to go to the party now? It's not going to be the same vibe, right? But I think I, I should. Oh, you know what? They're not going to lose this game. We shouldn't lose this game. We're back at Eddie Had, coming off a loss. They pushed us last time, though. They really uh, did. But- Mate, there's no way you'll lose this game. I think the Saints will play really, really well and win very, very easily. Is that your second lock of the week? That's my lock of the week. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to let you get on a plane and get back to Australia. So next time I see you, we'll actually be in the same room. Yeah, very exciting. So looking forward to that. And uh, thank you for everybody listening to the podcast. If you like it, uh, pass it around, tell people about it, rate it on iTunes. That helps us. If you write a review or a rating on iTunes, it helps it keep up the top of the podcast when people search for AFL podcasts and stuff like that. So that'd be really cool. I mean, we've waited till the end of the of the show to explain it. But yes, this episode has come up very, very early for a Two Guys, One Cup um, so if you want it to keep coming early, we just need to book Will on international flights every week. Right. Now, well, once I'm back, hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully depending on our schedules, but hopefully yes. we'll be able to do a few that are earlier in the week. But if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, our other podcast, Tofop, uh, has a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Tofop, T-O-F-O-P. And uh, you can go on there. You can sign up to one of the levels. Um, it supports us with all the podcasts that we do. So um, obviously... Uh, oh, 
well, to be continued, my story of my lost luggage. But, you know, we'll, we'll get back to that another time. All right. And I say, play on, not 15. Bye.